Sisters Talk Brothers is a spoiler-filled podcast about the TV show Supernatural. Music credit goes to Hans Adam and their song in the Creative Commons called Paint the Sky. Driver picks the music, Shotgun shuts his cake hole. On with the show. Welcome to Sisters Talk Brothers, where two real-life sisters discuss all that dumb shit the Winchester do. Family style. Don't say dumb shit, we love these boys. But they do dumb shit. Also, we're not experts, but we are sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes they do dumb shit. Oftentimes they do dumb shit. I will fight you on this. Uh, I believe Dean himself, in the future, says, Who does what we do? Crazy people! Crazy people do what we do! Okay. They are aware that they do the dumb shit. (sighs) There's no good way to segue from doing dumb shit into the thing I want to talk about today, is there? Segway! You know what dumb people think? (laughs) (laughs) Dumb people think that cake is better than pie. (laughs) How's that for a segue? I mean, I guess it works as a segue, but I don't think we should question people's intelligence based off of what desserts they prefer. Nope, I'm gonna make my stand. I'm gonna make my stand. Dumb people prefer cake. The inferior baking approach. So, so you prefer pie? I prefer pie, yes. What about yourself? I prefer cake. Oh, so this is why we are so defensive. I see, I see. You'll say, oh, no, I'm not dumb. Why you call me dumb? Well, like, I'm I'm not big on sweets and cake. Most of the time, you can just easily scoop off the icing and eat just the cake. But pie, you got all that sweetness just packed in there. You can't avoid it. I have double arguments for that. First argument is that you also have all that lovely crust with the pie that offsets that sweetness. And two, there are savory pies. Hannah, have you had meat pie before? You made me shepherd's pie and that was really good. Shepherd's pie. Pizza pie. Come on. Pie is so versatile. Ugh, now I'm just super hungry. (laughs) Fuck. I mean, I guess in that sense, when it comes to me not liking sweets very much, then I would have to go with pie because then I could just be like, no, I'll have the shepherd's pie and not the strawberry pie. Thank you. (laughs) Rhubarb pie. Oh, strawberry rhubarb pie. Fuck. Oh, blueberry pie. Apple pie. Cinnamon apple pie. Come on. You don't have to Mm. add a lot of sugar to it. It's just fruit. And the pie's cousin, the cobbler. Oh, man. I'm still getting used to having fruit in other things instead of, you know, just by themselves. You don't find a lot of fruit in cake, unless it's a fruit cake, which is regarded worldwide as the worst kind of cake. Well, the best cake to me is either a spice cake or a red velvet cake. Both of those go really well with the cream cheese dressing, or not dressing, (laughs) cream cheese icing. (laughs) (laughs) 
What kind of dressing would you like on your salad? The cream cheese. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, don't you mean blue cheese? No. I mean what I say. Well, Hannah, that was a lively debate. Very informative. I feel like we know each other better as individuals now. Yeah. We've just plumbed previously unknown depths in this wonderful pie versus cake debate. Yeah, we really sussed it all out. Yep. And I think it's clear that there were no winners. <laughs> Only losers. <laughs> Just two <laughs> losers. Alright, well, let's cut this dumb shit out and get into the meat of this delicious pie and talk about Season 1, Episode Onse. That's 11. <laughs> Scarecrow. So we've got our recap. Oh, but wait, no, I'm sorry. What? There's no recap? We just had our first cliffhanger episode of the series. And it's the one time they don't give us a recap. I think this is the one time in the whole series we don't have a recap. Hannah, did you have a recap? No. So it wasn't just a Netflix fuck up. That... I mean, okay, I, I'm not, like, a huge fan of the recap, obviously, even though I obsessively cover it every episode. But it not being there is so offensive to you. <laughs> it is a staple of the show. It's like sitting down to a meal and not being given a utensil with which to eat. <laughs> I don't even like this utensil, but I'm <laughs> mad that it's not here. Where the fuck is my salad fork? <laughs> yeah. This is a redundant utensil, but now it's not here, and I am upset. But I'm especially upset because this is the first time that it fucking matters. We might have forgotten from last week that we ended on a huge cliffhanger of, Dad called! I did. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, that's all I had to say about the recap. I was just mad that it wasn't there when it actually fucking mattered for once. <sighs> we start our episode in Burkittsville, Indiana which is not a real place. And it's one year ago, so keep in mind, during this opening, Jess is still alive. Jess! What do you think she's doing right now? She's probably going on a date with Sam. Oh, on their yacht? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're just having a nice day out. Not thinking of nothing. Drinking some mimosas, studying for that law exam coming up. It's just one mimosa. They're not much of drinkers. I bet Jess, Jess has a little bit of a wild side. A little bit, but I feel like she toned down when she met Sam. Mm. But mimosas aren't really... Isn't it like champagne and orange juice? Yeah, it's a classy drink. You can have like two or three of those and be completely chill. <laughs> I mean, maybe some people can. I would probably be a little like, hey, I've been <laughs> drinking. <laughs> All right, well, for the veterans among us, three mimosas are nothing. <laughs> but, sorry, I interrupt with my love for Jess, which is always a valid reason to interrupt, but still, I'm sorry, continue. Well, I mean, I was sure to give you a pause because I felt like you had something to say. It's Jess. <laughs> all right, so we got we got the music, the apple pie, the rain-soaked small town. It all feels safe and disarming. A young couple, Holly and Vince, are getting back on the road after getting lost with the help of the kind locals. As the gentleman shakes hands, we get a close-up 
of the young man's tattoo for mm, reasons. Big reasons. It's a cool tattoo. They're told to take a turn at the orchard, but as they pass the orchard, their car and cell phones die. They just immediately get out of the car. A house is across the way in the orchard, so they decide to go there for help. Passing through, they come across a scarecrow. They crack uncomfortable jokes that make me wonder about their marriage. <laughs> and then the scarecrow moves. Holly is freaked out but doesn't say anything. They begin running as they hear noises. They almost make it to the shed, not that it would have done them any good, when Vince disappears, literally without a sound. <laughs> Holly goes back to find him, and she does find him, faceless, screams, and then dies. I have a few thoughts about all of this. Oh, same. Okay. My first thoughts is this town has got to have a lot of through traffic. If they are able to cherry-pick a young couple during this one specific time of year, every year. Yeah. I mean, they may have something set up that draws them in. I don't know. They have a Pokemon Go uh. lore just sitting outside their town. <laughs> so yes. That... <laughs> Play with me. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> Our town has the best Pokemon. We have... The Eevee, and the Pikachu, and the Mewtwo, all the best. Yeah, you, uh, you sure know lots of Pokemon. All the best pocketable monsters. I like that Vince was like, what's the catch? Like, he's already suspicious. Like, why are these people being so nice? Well, I, what I loved about that was that he wasn't suspicious. He was just doing that, making small talk, talk joking. But I can just imagine that Harley and Stacy, the aunt and uncle, mm -hmm. they don't act it, but I wish they had, where they just kind of, like, seize up and look at each other real quick, like, uh, uh. No, no catch. Absolutely no catches. Why would there be catches? I mean, what was to catch, really? We're just, you know, regular normal people who like being really nice to people. When we hate catching things. <laughs> we don't even own both baseball gloves. There are no baseball gloves in this town. That's how little catching we do. <laughs> We make sure that no mouths are left open, no honey is left out, we're not catching flies, we're not catching balls, we're not catching... Flu? Flus or nets, nothing. <laughs> this is a catchless town. We don't even have ketchup. I mean, really, would ketchup even go with apple pies? Am I right? Right, Harley? <laughs> right? <laughs> also, it really irritates me. How, like, how do orchards cause cars and cell phones to die? No, 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 I thought about this. And the car malfunctions because of the townsfolk. Okay, His okay. His phone is dead because he's an idiot, as she points out. <laughs> okay. Holly points out that this guy is dumb. Wait, yeah, which again, their, their marriage is off to a rocky start, I gotta say. Maybe they are not so well suited. I don't know. But he's like, if I only had a brain, referencing the Wizard of Oz. And she goes, what did she say? Yeah, we wouldn't be lost right now if you Yeah, did. we wouldn't be lost right now. <laughs> I'm like, what a bitch. To be fair, they're not lost. <laughs> they're just stranded with no cell phone power. Yeah. Did she check her cell phone? Does she not have a cell phone? Oh my gosh, are we so far back in time that not everybody has a cell phone? Ugh. Not everybody has a cell phone. What dystopia is this? 
And so she calls him an idiot, and then she's like, the scarecrow scares me. That's the point of a scarecrow. <laughs> it's supposed to scare the animals, not the humans. They're supposed to keep things out of the field or orchard. Okay, scarecrows are there so that passing animals will say, oh, there's a human there. I will not go near the human. I will stay away from where this human is because human might chase me. Hey, Kindle. Yeah? Why was this scarecrow promoted? Why? Because he was outstanding in his field. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. So we're back to where we started. Sam getting John's call. And the crux of this conversation is that John is okay, he's alive, and he's tracking down the thing that killed Mary and Jess, and it's a demon. Demon! And he wants his boys to stop following him and just to stay away from all of this. And Sam is arguing every step. Actually, no. <laughs> he's not even listening. He keeps saying, Dad, talk to me. Dad, tell me what's going on. Like, Dad, like, bring me in on this. When I, I feel like if he were actually listening, he would hear what John is saying. That I'm chasing a demon. This is stupid dangerous. I don't want my boys getting hurt. So stay away from me. Stay away from all of this. Here's something that I think you guys could do in the meantime if you're feeling bored and left out of this big demon chase. <laughs> but Sam is just too busy arguing. And the whole time, Dean is off there to the side saying, Give me the phone. Is that dad? Give me the phone. Give me the phone. <laughs> you know, like the sibling do. Oh, yeah. You're doing a bad job of talking to our parent. My questions are more important than yours. <laughs> Give me the phone. <laughs> but once Dean has the phone, he doesn't get to ask his questions because he immediately follows John's orders to take down these names. In seat. Yeah, I have two things to say about this. Okay. One, when John says, you can't be any part of it, I think that here he means Sam specifically. Yeah. I don't think John knows the full details yet, but I do think he knows that Sam is important. Sam is special. And, like, they want him. I think John has already pieced together that Azazel is collecting children for some purpose. Mm -hmm. He knows not what. Or maybe he does have an idea because this all has to do with the opening hell up, right? Mm-hmm. So that Lucifer can escape. Lucifer. Right. Like, I, I don't know that he knows that Sam is Lucifer's true vessel. No, I don't think he's pieced that together. No. But yeah, I, I would think that he could conceivably already know that Azazel is collecting children. Yes, and he knows that Sam is one of, one of those children. And he wants Sam to stay away, one, so that maybe he don't die, but also, two, so that he doesn't become corrupted by him. the demons and end up working for the dark side. Yeah, and so John doesn't have to kill him. This could also be why he's why he's distanced himself so much, because he may already be afraid that he has to kill Sam. Oh, definitely. I think we discussed that in Home. The reason why he is staying away is because it's already going to be hard to kill your child. Yeah. <laughs> Especially your favorite child. But, like, it had already been two years yeah. with John being a stalker. But this is different. He's not really being a stalker right now. He's staying away. Yeah, speaking of him stalking, he knows that Jess has died and... Never gave condolences until now. It's been six months, John. Yeah, it's been a while. Again, he's trying to keep his distance. And I did appreciate that he 
consoles now, now that he's actually talking to Sam. It's the first time he's talked, you know. And yeah. I also appreciated that he didn't get super creepy with it and call her by name because that would have been, <laughs> that would have given away how hardcore he was stalking his son. <laughs> yeah. And also it, it does imply that he investigated Jess's death. Dude, he probably like lured them to Jessica, Je to Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> He probably lured them to Jericho just so that while they were gone, no way, Jess died when they got back. Fuck, never mind, that doesn't make sense. Well, he, could, he couldn't have known how long. He probably thought it would have taken them longer to solve the case. Actually, they, they, gave, they didn't thoroughly solve. If they had taken the time to thoroughly solve the case like John would have, they would have been gone a little longer mm -hmm. so Sam wouldn't have been there <laughs> to see Jess die. I think they would have waited till Sam got home no matter what. Right? That's a good point. Like, they made sure that John saw... They made sure that Sam saw. Well, they also made sure that John saw Mary. Part of it is not just getting that soul and being having a line on these children, but they also get off on the pain that they leave behind. Of course, because they're demons and they're evil and they're like, why do this painless when we can do it with pain? <laughs> The other thing I wanted to point out, it probably won't lead to as long as a discussion, but it was, I don't, I wanted to say utterly palpable, but then that didn't sound right. But, um, Dean's character shift on the phone with John. Oh, yeah. Because, like, we've been with him for episodes and episodes, and even, you know, him talking about John, but him talking to John. Just uh, that immediately deferential, yes, sir, yes, sir. Like, the utter obedience, the complete obedience. He's like a kicked puppy who just wants... Love. Love, yeah. And he will jump to try and get John's love. Oh, my heart. <sighs> Little Dean. A few things I noticed in the scene is, while sleeping, Dean is daintily covering up his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Still wearing only the Samulet. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John has a really nice, subtle, and completely unnecessary southern accent for Aww. an actor who's from Seattle, Washington. Playing a person who from is Kansas. from Kansas, which is the literal middle of the United States. Kansas <laughs> should have a zero accent. <laughs> well, I, maybe uh, maybe his mom was Southern. Maybe. Because I don't think his dad was very Southern. No, his, his dad was like this posh 50s man talking with a 50s accent. I don't know. Yeah, how do, uh, an entire decade just has an accent, which is... You know what it weird. was? <laughs> it was being in the Marines, because the Marines are pretty much mainly supplied by Georgia. <laughs> so, he was... he. I thought it was West Virginia. I just remember they were all fans of the Bulldogs, which is the Georgian team. But yeah, so he, he spent so many formative years surrounded by all these good old Southern boy, boys who signed up to protect America. So that's where he got his Southern accent. Okay, it makes sense now. I'm glad yeah. we solved that. We did solve and it. <laughs> he does tell Sam to do your job, which I it, which is the saving people, hunting lives, hunting things, the family, family business. business. Yeah, I find this very interesting too because as far as anybody knows, Sam is just taking a gap year. As far as Sam's concerned, this is just a gap year wherein he goes, goes and, and gets revenge. He gets revenge, and then he goes back to law school. Easy peasy. Yeah. So, 
I, I just find it very interesting and telling that John calls this Sam's job. I don't know. It's like, oh, you're back now? Okay. You're you're totally on board. I I believe it. Hey, um, if you're getting paychecks, this is your job. I mean, he is. He's getting a weekly allowance. <laughs> he is getting his weekly allowance. John makes me sad. So they finish talking to Daddy, and they get their orders. Well, now Sam is driving. Yay. Uh, the names are of a couple who have gone missing while on their cross-country road trip. I guess a lot of people were having cross-country road trips. Like, I didn't know it happened that often. Anyway. It's pretty common. I, and I know. the only thing... Have you gone on a cross-country road trip? Because I would love to do that. I mean, me and my wife have driven from New Mexico to Tennessee several times. Technically, New Mexico to Florida. And we drove from New Mexico all the way through Colorado to New York. So, Man, I'm really bad at geography. <laughs> Why? Because, like, New Mexico is down at the bottom, right? And then you would have to go left and up to Colorado, and then right and up to so, New York? So New Mexico is a square. To the left of that square is another square called Arizona. And to the left of that square is California. And then right above the square that is New Mexico is another square that's Colorado. So basically we just went straight oh, up. Oh, so Colorado? Okay, I was thinking it was more towards the left of the map. Yeah, so to the left, so it's New Mexico and Arizona, those two squares next to each other. And then above that is, I want to say Nevada and Colorado. Man, I'm going to, this is going to be all wrong. People are going to be laughing at me and my lack of geography. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to that, but I don't care to actually Google this. I mean, it sounds to me like you have more knowledge of geography than I do, so I'm proud of you and your college education. Uh, I can tell you that Nebraska is flat as fuck. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to know that. Thank you. All right, but continue on. Okay. What did all these couples have in common? The only thing they had in common was that their routes had them going through the same section of Indiana during the second week of April. Uh -huh. Sam so handily points out for us that this is the second week of April. I love all the dumb Sam commentary. But Dean, this is the second week of April. Whoa, what a coincidence. <laughs> I bet you Sam prefers cake because he hella dumb. He must. He must prefer cake. I hope he prefers a spice cake, but that's just it. <laughs> um, if you love him so much, why don't you get married? Because I would die. <laughs> Good point. Fair. Very fair. <laughs> um, which is probably why John wanted Sammy to shut up and take notes. Sam because you would die? No. I... <sighs> Sam so handily points out for us that this is the second week of April. Which is probably why John wanted Sammy to shut up and take notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Hannah is dying. I need you to shut up and take notes. Never marry Hannah or she will die. God, Sam, stop arguing. Take this note down. It's very important. Don't marry anybody called Hannah. Thanks. Thank you. Sam pulls the car over. The payphone area code was Sacramento. So he wants to go to California to help John get revenge. Dean says John must have had his reasons and that they should do as he asks. 
He wants to toe the line. The fight ends with Sam accusing Dean of being an unthinking soldier, and Dean accusing Sam of being a selfish bastard, and they go their separate ways. And I see here in this scene how much Dean clings to the only parent he has left. Yeah. He throws in Sam's face. It's called being a good son. Almost as though in Dean's mind, if Sam would just listen and be obedient to their father, they could go back to being a perfect family. But that's not true. But that's not how it works. What I'm saying is... People are more complicated than that. They need therapy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And also, do we feel like they switch in future seasons. Because right here we see Dean saying, nope, we're going to ignore the big baddie over there. We're going to ignore revenge. We're going to ignore take going after the thing that killed our family. And we're just going to go do this small case over here and hunt this little one. Okay, Sam? We're going to go do this. And Sam is saying, no, let's go get revenge. I feel like, and maybe it's just that they switch off whenever it's convenient to the plot. <laughs> But I feel like in the future, Dean's the one who's like, fuck this, we're gonna go get revenge. And Sam's the one saying, Dean, slow down, let's go take care of this little one first. These and Dean's people the, need our help. People need our help. And Dean's the one saying, no, fuck the people. Why haven't we found the thing that killed our thing yet? Ah! Any updates on the thing that killed our thing? Ah! And Sam just with his books going, I'm looking, I'm looking, Dean. I'm flipping pages. See, I'm researching. I haven't found anything yet. And Dean's going just like in the background raging. Ah! Where's the thing that killed our thing? Yeah, I'm just, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you that they do kind of go back and forth. They do. It's just funny that the first time we see this kind of argument, Dean's on the side of, let's just keep our nose to the ground, you know, put the blinders on. Daddy wants us to be safe, so we're going to be safe to make Daddy happy. Um, I wanted to point out, there's a line that Sam says, it, it hurt my heart, but he has a good point, where Dean says, I know how you feel. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Sam yep. was like, How old were you when Mom died? Just died six months ago. How the hell would you know how I feel? Uh, it, uh that's that's true, but well, you can't really. Mm. No, it's it's two very different pains. But Sam's right. It's it's two. It's a fresher wound. Well, one of the worst things you can say to anybody going through a personal tragedy is, "I know how you feel." Do not ever say that to a person or tell them it's going to be okay. Don't ever say that to a person who is going through emotional trauma. But it is very different. Dean lost a parent when he was a child some 20 odd years ago. Sam lost the love of his life six months ago. Mm. You didn't lose the same type of person. You didn't lose in the same time frame. You don't have the same kind of distance from it. So, no, Dean cannot fathom how Sam feels. Dean has never watched the love of his life go up in flames. You know? But he will. When does Cass get burned up in flames? Season six? No, at his hunter's burial. (gasps) Oh, that's right. Before Cass comes back as Emmanuel? Mm Mm-mm. I think it was season 12, actually, when he had his hunter's burial. Oh, this show has gone on for way too long. <laughs> this show has everything. Has they've everything. Di- they've all died way too many times. <laughs> like, okay, so when they're parting ways, Sam seemed a bit like a 
petulant child to me. That's what I want you to do. I That was my favorite line of Sam's, I think, this whole episode. Maybe this whole season so far. It was a good line. It's such a good line, and the way Padalecki delivers it is the pinnacle of his acting so far this season. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, that yeah, I'm fucking calling your bluff, but I'm calling your bluff with, like, resignation and a bird being flipped your way at the same time, and the ultimate I really don't care, and uh, there's so many, there were so many levels to it. It was yeah. beautiful. <sighs> so, they split up. Forever! Not forever. This is not the first time they are splitting up over a fight, though. Oh, no. No. They have a lot of little breakups. It, it just occurred to me, this is not the first time they break up. <laughs> Wincest! Woo! Dean rolls up into Burkittsville. This is his third stop in Indiana, and he introduces himself to a local guy sitting out on his porch on his rocker. He introduces himself as a rock star, John Bonham. Yes, yeah. John Bonham. I was really happy for Dean that someone recognized his alias. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the drummer for Led Zeppelin? Wow. Good. Classic rock fan. <laughs> Calls him out on it, and Dean is... What is it called? Like, you're not flat-footed, but on your back foot, or... He's thrown off. All right? It throws him off his game for a he's second. He's thrown back. He, he, he just pulls back he's, for a second and goes, whoa, whoa. Hey, you, he was, you realize he it's was a fake name? taken aback. Taken aback. The phrase is, like, thrown onto your back foot or something. I don't know. Whatever. He does recover after a moment with, oh, yeah, you know classic rock, too? Like, yeah, my parents also totally into classic rock, so, meh. And so they named totally me- Totally not an alias. Totally not an alias. They just named me John, or last name Happy Bottom. What do you know? <laughs> he asks, you know, about the missing people that he, ha he has in his hands here, Vince and Holly, from a year ago. Hey, if you did you see these people a year ago? And the guy who's, whose name is Scotty is like, nope, never seen him. And Dean literally just passive-aggressives him before moving on. Scotty, you got a smile that lights up a room. Anybody ever tell you that? Dean continues questioning all the townsfolk, and all the olds in this community are just playing it dumb. But nobody clued the granddaughter, Emily, into this game they're all playing. Yep. <laughs> so she's like, oh yeah, Grandpa, you remember him? Oh, Gee, Grandpa, why They are, were just married! Why are you kicking me in the shin? Grandma, why are you winking so so much? Did you get something in your eye? Yeah, don't you guys remember him? He came through with a tattoo. I remember all of them. Because we only get one couple who come through here a year. So weird. So weird how that happens. We never have visitors except one week in the year in April when a couple comes through. And they always have car trouble. What? <laughs> So they send Dean off on the same path they sent our couple. And while driving, Dean's EMF reader just turns itself on and starts freaking out because apparently EMF readers can sense gods. <sighs> okay, yeah. He, he uh... gets out of the car, and I guess he's next to the orchard, so he decides to go walking through the orchard. Ooh, 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 I know. It was picking up all the souls of the couple's. Oh, there's a lot of ghosts around. Ding, ding. So this case is still not solved because they didn't release any of the ghosts. Correct. So now we have a haunted orchard. Yes. And all these ghosts are going to fuck with the people of this town. <laughs> now that the god is gone. Yes. Ah! 
<laughs> oh, we need a sequel to this episode. At the end, Dean says, what happens to the town is enough. <laughs> them ghosties gonna get them. <laughs> he gets out of the car and investigates the orchard. He finds the scarecrow. Apparently the scarecrow is just worth investigating. And he finds a tattoo on the crow that just happens to match our dear Vincy Poo. I wouldn't have spotted it. Yeah. All right, we have already established Dean is really good at finding hidden things. So, yes. Sam spots shit happening in the background of videos. Dean spots things that are covered up and hidden. Yeah. So, now that Dean knows something is up, he's going to go back in town to do some more investigating. So, he chats up Emily, who whom is the granddaughter, and he learns that, gee, this town is just super lucky. All the towns around us are just having to pack up and move to the city because their farm's done dying. Just, you know, not enough water, but we just got all the waters. All our trees are good. We're just prosperous. Uh, he spots a new car in the garage, and he learns that a new couple are passing through, and they're having car trouble. Uh-oh. One, I really like when Dean says, you got a smile that lights up a room. <laughs> Dean saying, dude, you fugly. Why is... Okay. It's classic. I, okay, I know it. And the fandom just jumped on that moment from the get-go, and the reason why I think they liked it, it's because it's the first time our characters came close to saying a curse word, and they're like, oh, look, Dean cusses, ooh! <laughs> He's such a bad boy! I thought it was, like, trying to keep the show in with the times. Maybe. I mean, it's not that great of a line. It's not, but it's it's a classic line. But it's a cla- There's a lot of classic lines in this particular episode. Yeah. Also... The girl, Emily? Emily. Mm-hmm. Okay. Emily, she knew where the gas tank was on the Impala, and I was so impressed with that. But then I was second-guessing myself because I was like, have they really been filling the gas tank up at the back this whole time? <laughs> and, like, it almost made me want to go back and watch episode one because I feel like... Dean was filling up the gas at the side of the Impala, talking to Sam. She's just dumping gas all over their ammunition. <laughs> and Dean doesn't want to throw off his investigation. His He's just letting his, her do it. He's just letting her do it so that he can keep interrogating her. <laughs> oh no, they're guns. She also had such a strong southern accent here, and I, and now they're in Indiana, and I don't get it. What, it, it. Is it just that you're in a small town? Where's that? There was that woman with the regional accents. We should have her as a guest yes. on the show. <sighs> show me what an Indiana accent is, because I'm pretty sure it's not Deep South. No. Out here in the boonies. <sighs> she might as well it's... said, down here in the holler. <laughs> <laughs> God, it, it irritated me. Also, all right, I have a question about the scarecrow. Mm-hmm. He, he, him have tattoo on him now. Yes. Does he make clothes out of his victims? Yes. Is that what we're okay? No part goes to waste. <laughs> what, what does the scarecrow do with these sacrifices? Eats them? Turns them into trinkets? I think it's a, I think it's a combination of eating. Making clothes, exchanging body parts. Okay. And so here's my follow-up question. Where does the Scarecrow God do his tanning work? Where, where is his workshop wherein him sew his skin clothes? 
<laughs> no, he's he's just up in that shed, uh, sewing by hand. Yeah. And, and then God, he, he, he must reek. He, he hears a car rolling up, and he's like, oh, oh gotta get into place, gotta get into place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Show's about to start. <laughs> and you answered my EMF question, but assuming that there aren't ghosties that the EMF is picking, picking up on, they should have had Dean carrying the EMF through the orchard and following the EMF up to the scarecrow so that the scarecrow is... Because they don't really explain why the scarecrow catches his eye, besides it's an ugly scarecrow. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. And they could also, have also used the EMF he could have to, used find... It to find the first tree. You read my mind, and it's scary. That's <laughs> my freaky baby powers. Your freakish baby powers. Sam has been walking backwards <laughs> on this road and is surprised when he comes across Meg, who plays hard to get with headphones and heavy metal. Which, I made note of this, too, because I was like, how long was he walking backwards <laughs> that he didn't notice her just sitting there? Like, she just pops up out of nowhere, and he's fine with it because he's been walking backwards this whole time. Yep. And I also love how, <laughs> knowing now what we know, Meg is completely aware he is there, and... <laughs> She's probably super excited. Like, oh, it's about to start. I get to torture and fuck with somebody. Yay. But she's having to, like, sit there like, okay, play it cool. Play it cool. We're totally just listening to some music. We're not noticing our target walking up behind us. I wonder how long was she sitting there waiting for him to notice? <laughs> she's like, any minute now, right? Sam walking back. Like, backwards. he should have seen me by now. <laughs> Any minute now, Sam's still walking backwards. <laughs> I want to see clips of her, like, turning her head to look. Like, when the fuck is he going <laughs> to notice me? God, why is he... He's walking backwards? What a weirdo. You know what it is, though? So, I want to say somewhere around this time, in, in real world time, there was a very brief blip in exercise news about the benefits of like walking and running backwards for exercise <laughs> so maybe sam is hip to this and he's like you know what i'm gonna switch things up get some new exercise train some new muscles and i'm gonna walk backwards for the next mile <laughs> a whole mile a whole mile he taps her on the shoulder and she's like oh i, I didn't know anyone was here <laughs> i totally didn't notice you walking backwards for a mile sam tries to get to know her but she says she isn't going to trust a stranger. A van pulls up, driven by a fucking rapey asshole, and mm. Meg takes off. Like, really? Mm. No, it's so gross. <sighs> like, what a major creep only wanting to pick up the girl. I'm not picking you up. Like, <laughs> okay? Which I, I'm thinking that he doesn't know if they're traveling together or not. So he's just establishing straight up, she comes or nobody comes. So I guess he got really lucky that they weren't actually traveling together. <laughs> I guess. But what about I'm only taking the girl doesn't scream kidnappy, rapey asshole. Absolutely. Like, it's nice that Sam just calls him shady. This is so clearly pre-Me Too. <laughs> and, like, his saving people isn't really triggered right now because he just lets her go. Oh, you're so right. Well, okay, he only saves people from the supernatural. He doesn't really save <laughs> from humans yet. Right. 
Okay. He doesn't have any Papa Sam instincts yet. Oh, no, not yet. Just Puppy Sam instincts. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> At a bus station, Sam isn't getting lucky with the buses. Mm-mm. He gets transportation shamed by the lady because she's like, yeah, you could have a car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Public transportation is a convenient. Go fucking buy a car, you lazy shit. God, these millennials just think they're entitled to transportation. (laughs) They should just go work hard like a decent American and earn money and buy a car. As though it's his fault America has such shitty transportation. Yeah. So he has to spend the night at the bus station, and he's about to call Dean when he spots Meg. She basically admits that she killed the guy. They They learn that they're both going to Cali and are stuck for the night. She's like, I had to cut him off, meaning she slit his throat. Yeah, well, she says I had to cut him loose. Yeah, I had to cut him loose. Which, to Sam, just means I let him go on his own way. But we know she cut him loose from this mortar coil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. I completely forgot to mention, I love when she says to him, Oh, you scared the hell out of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, Meg, <laughs> that's not even possible. <laughs> also in this moment it really occurred to me that i enjoy so this is our first meg Mm -hmm. this is her first corporeal incarnation yes and so she set the standard for how meg is played throughout the series and i just want to give props to the actresses that follow this one for mimicking her portrayal of meg Because Meg, I feel, is played pretty consistently across the seasons. Oh, yeah. Like, there were just a couple instances of how she talked that made me think so clearly of season 11 Meg. Mm -hmm. It was just well done. Little applause. The only thing that irks me about Meg is we don't know her name. Mm. Meg Masters is the name of this blonde woman that Meg is possessing. But we never learn this demon's name. Huh. We always call her Meg, but Meg Masters was the blonde girl. Here's a potential thing. Demons can possess whomever they want so long as... Nope, they can possess whomever. Unless they're holy or a flight attendant. (laughs) (laughs) So, perchance, this demon wanted to find a person with the same name as herself. Because... This was her first time on an important mission, and so she was like, all right, this is an important mission. I'm dealing with Lucifer's vessel. Maybe this was her first vessel, and she didn't want to get confused, like being called a different name. Maybe. There's nothing to imply this is her first mission out of hell, because it's such a hard thing to get out of hell, right? And the way she refers to, I'm guessing, Azazel at the end of this episode, I feel like there's so few demons that they are close and tight-knit, almost like a family. Mm-hmm. So she has had vessels before this, I have to assume, unless they state otherwise. So I propose that this is a special occasion, and she wanted a special dress to wear for the special occasion. And so, and maybe she didn't want to accidentally mess up by responding to the wrong name. Maybe that's a problem for her. People will say like, hey, Alice, and she keeps walking. Alice, who's Alice? I'm Meg. Oh, right. I'm in Alice's bucket. Sorry. (laughs) You got me. So she went out and, yeah, so she went out and she found a Meg to possess. All right. I like this. All right. So her name is actually Meg. She just so happened to be in a Meg. (laughs) 
<laughs> she was just in a Meg. <laughs> Back with Dean, Dean finds his man Scotty serving pie to the new young couple. And we get our first request for pie. Hey, Scotty. Get a coffee. Black. Oh, and some of that pie, mm. too. It a parade. He does seem more keen on the coffee, but we get our pie mentioning. Mm-hmm. And he tries to make awkward conversation with the young couple, and he and Scotty do their passive-aggressive off thing again. Dean is trying to warn this couple in very subtle ways to get the hell out of Dodge, but he comes off like a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, this scene is so hard to watch. Ugh. It wasn't as hard for me to watch this time around, but I think this is your first time watching the episode and you are just getting used to Dean. He definitely comes off as a creepy serial killer. Keska say mm-hmm. here. You know that these roads are dangerous at night. You never know what might happen. Wink, wink. Pretty young couple like you. Wink, wink. <laughs> I'm just saying, you might be in danger. Wink, <laughs> wink. wink. <laughs> He does reference Sam's puppy dog eyes here. God, my brother was here. Oh, I remember man. loving that line the first time watching this episode. Just his first, his first time post Sam on his own trying to do a case. Uh, he's really missing his brother here. Kendall, the next time you're trying to convince anyone of anything, I want you to tell them. Man, if my sister was here, she'd hit you with these puppy dog eyes, and you'd just buy right into it. <laughs> and just, just see how they just, respond? Yeah, just see how that goes over. I'm really curious. Okay, I will do my best to find myself in a scenario where I'm trying to convince somebody of something, and they're not believing me. <laughs> so that I can drop a, man, if my sister Hannah were here. Uh Dean's acting like a serial killer, so the sheriff comes to escort him out of town. But later that night, we see him just zooming on back into town, just as our young couple are groaning about how they just got their car fixed as they're stomping through the orchard. (laughs) Mr. Scarecrow starts chasing them just when Dean shows up with a shotgun and tells them to run back to the car. Dean lands several hits on our Mr. Crow, but it barely slows him down, and back at the Impala... The couple want to know, what was that? But Dean very wisely just answers, don't ask. (laughs) Yeah, so they may not know. They may not know. But they are alive. They are alive. They run back to his car. Yeah, that was my first argument. They run back to the Impala, (laughs) not their car. And he clearly says, get back to your car. (laughs) Another thing, the camera super zoomed in on the sheriff's ring in the diner. Okay. And it was the same ring that... Harley was wearing uh, the guy who owns the gas station. Huh. So Dean super zoomed into that because it was the same. Good eye. (laughs) Otherwise, you're just like, Dean's like real concerned that this guy's married. (laughs) But honestly, the rings are the same because I watched the episode twice and I was like, oh, that's why. Okay. That makes sense because Dean is really starting to piece together that it's not just one person, it's a whole group of old people in on this. Mm -hmm. I have some more concerns, though, about this whole orchard scene again. Because this god is apparently just bound to the orchard, which is kind of a shitty god. Mm -hmm. Think about it. Because once they are off the orchard ground, they're safe. And it just stopped coming. And I guess you answered my other question of why even go back to the cars. So I guess Dean's car continues working because Dean's car wasn't set up to fail 
next to the or- orchard. Yes. So, and maybe now they'll accept Dean's offer to let that him fix their car. <laughs> Man, that's awful trusting of these townsfolk to put a fault in a car that they know will go off right next to the orchard. And then on top of that, trust that the people in the car are going to get out of the car, not have cell phones or have not charged their cell phones like Vince, and also that their first instinct is going to be to walk into the orchard instead of just walking back to town. Yeah. There's a lot of variables here they're not controlling for. It's got to have some kind of draw to it. Like, maybe they put something in the food? Or maybe there's extra Pokemon lures in the orchard. It's in the apple pie. It's it's those special apples from the first tree, apple pie. And so they're lured to the apple trees because of the apples they just consumed. So you're saying it's supernatural. That is exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Speaking of apples and pie, do you think they wrote this scene and they decided... You know what? Instead of Dean being turned off by this Apple experience, he's just going to leave this case with the biggest hankering for some apple pie. He never got pie from them. He didn't eat a single bite of pie. He just, he got jilted by an entire town over some pie. And you and know so what? And so now he's getting pie every chance he gets. And you know what? He never did find out if their apple pie was worth it. <laughs> he never found out. <laughs> And so That's why he goes around sampling all the pie. Yes, yeah, so from then from this case on, he goes to a case. If they have pie, he has to try the pie just to know if the pie is worth it. He he has to know if the pie is worth <laughs> all this. All of this. All of this. All of this dumb shit. <laughs> so over dinner, Meg and Sam have a heart to heart about family struggles and the need to get away. Family tells me what to do and that must that I must obey and I say fuck it and go my own way. This isn't the first time since Sam gets cozy with a demon. Next morning we say Sam chatting on the phone with Dean, so I guess they've cooled off enough to catch up with each other. Fattening up your victims, male female for fertility, yearly cycle, prosperous lands. Dean has pieced it all together, so it's time to name that monster. have a pagan god. How fun! Specifically, in a minute, Dean will say that this is the pagan god Vanir from Scandinavia. And that's almost right. (laughs) Vanir is something you only find in Scandinavia, but it isn't a god or even a few gods. It's more of a place. Like, you know how in Greece, the gods live on Mount Olympus. In mm-hmm. Scandinavia, there's a group of gods that live in Vanir, and there's some other gods who live down the road next to the elves. And one day, the people, uh, the gods of Vanir and the gods of Aver? I can't remember. I didn't write it down. But the gods of the place next to the elves, they got into a big war, and so you'll see in a lot of texts... Oh, this god was killed by the Vonner, and this person was killed by the Vonner. That just means the people from Vonner, not a god, Vonner. So, you know. Oh, good. I did try and see if there were a Norse god that specifically ruled over forests or orchards. <laughs> and I came across a god called Vidar, or Vidar. 
But the more I looked into it, the more it seemed like he just liked to chill in grasslands <laughs> and didn't necessarily have power over nature. So <laughs> I love this guy. Also, he's the most powerful god after Thor and is Ooh. known for revenge and silence, just in case you were wondering. That sounds really ominous and cool. Yeah, I, I don't really know why he's the god of silence. Maybe he's just, he's real quiet, doesn't like to talk much. He's the strong and stoic type. The one we're dealing with makes some sounds, but he doesn't say anything. He growls, yeah. But he's not very revengey. <laughs> no. He's more of a tailor. Yeah. Very thrifty. So I couldn't find anything, really, that pertained to this case. So what about pagan gods in general? Are they still a problem today? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <sighs> to be honest, I had a hard time finding anything about <laughs> this case monster. <laughs> Vanner isn't a god. It's just a place where gods live. If you're practicing polytheistic religion that requires offering, it's not about human sacrifice. And the only guidance I could find was along the lines of, Hey, maybe don't offer raw meat to Aphrodite. That's not what she likes. They didn't make it seem like she'll get mad and punish you for doing offering bad. More just like she wouldn't listen to your prayer and answer you. So she would ignore you because raw meat is gross. In her opinion. She's like, ew, you just sent me raw meat? Like, well, yeah, raw blocked. Raw meat is <laughs> <laughs> blocked, ignored, deny. Raw meat is more along the Aries route, so if you're making an offering to Aphrodite, maybe perfume or flowers, you know. Fruit. Fruits. She might like some fruit. Yeah. I even looked into urban legends about scarecrows. I even tried to see if like, there were wicker man legends that pertain to this. And there was nothing there, so I don't know. I named that monster, I guess. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> So the boys continue their heart-to-heart -heart and have an honest-to-God conversation. What? Dean basically admits that he's sorry and misses having Sam along on the case. Sam is apologetic, too. Dean admires Sam for always knowing what he wants and pursuing it, for being able to stand up to their dad. Good talk. Meg was being a great creeper listening in. <laughs> Sam and Meg having dinner, and she's... Sam is just eating up every one of her words. She is telling him exactly what he wants to hear. Oh, she has his number. <laughs> she she has him pegged. Mm -hmm. And I think I think she almost had him. She almost had him. Oh, no, she definitely did. If, if Dean had answered his phone once, he would be on the bus to California with her. Oh, yeah. I really love their, this interaction because Meg is kind of flirting with him the whole time in the way that mm -hmm. Meg do. Oh, yeah. But I never felt any romance between either of them. Like, Sam isn't, like, falling in love with Meg. Sam is finding a kindred spirit, or at least so he thinks. Yes, like, I, I didn't feel like he was flirting or that he held any uh, interest or attraction. He was just... She wasn't even super-duper flir flirting. She was just being Meg. Yeah, the way Meg do. The way Meg do. In this conversation, I feel like there's one line that's going to become a motto for Sam that he's never going to forget, even if it did come from a demon. The food might be bad, beds might be hard, but at least we're living our own lives. Yes. Because that that's going to apply to Sam for quite a while, you know? Yeah, I, I like that line a lot. Yeah, even if it comes from a shitty demon. 
whom we don't like yet. <laughs> I like her. Or I don't like it all yet. So you were saying that you liked when uh, Sam says, you know, just dumb shit. <laughs> I had a note where I was like, no shit, Sam, where he's like, if you figure out what it is, you can figure out a way to kill it. <laughs> and Dean's <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> Dean has the patience of a saint to put up with Sam. I mean, you have the patience of a saint to put up with me, so. No. Uh... <laughs> What has Sam been doing for the last four years? Law school. Law school. What has Dean been doing for the last four years? Hunting. Hunting. So who is going to be the better (laughs) expert on if you can figure out what it is, you will know how to kill it. (laughs) But Sam just waltzed back in. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Yeah. Sam just waltzes back in. Like, hey, I know you've been doing this for a while, but, uh... I went to college, so <laughs> I think I can do better at this than you. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I love that all Sam had to say was, I'm sorry, too. Dean didn't even have to say it. And we have our one chick flick moment of the episode. Sam tries to have another chick flick moment at the end. And Dean's just like, oh, Sam, hold me. Hold me, Sam. (laughs) So, like, shoots him down because we can only have one. Just the one. I mean, really, do you need more than one? No. Nah. So, Dean has to figure out what this thing is so that he can know how to kill it. Sam gave such good (laughs) advice. Dean already had an appointment with a local professor. Mm -hmm. Because Dean can do research too, guys. He totally can. He totally can. We learned that Burgettsville is mostly of Scandinavian descent, so we're looking for a Norse god that's going to protect all the trees. The professor acts odd in this whole interaction, mm-hmm. and it had been a while since I'd seen this, so I was, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I'd be a little weird too if I was just trying to help this kid learn about pagan gods, and he's weirdly fixated on just finding all one god and uh, how to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you torch that, you know, will that make it all stop? What, um, make what stop? Yeah. I'm just trying to teach you about history. <laughs> I just love that Dean's bouncing ideas off this guy in it, lieu of Sam. It looks like a scarecrow, doesn't it? I guess? <laughs> <laughs> See, he he needs a Sam. He needs a Sam. <laughs> or else he'll just start saying random shit to strangers. Uh, I really want to see Dean on a case pre-Jericho. <laughs> where he's going around, he has, like, this folder in hand of step two. Go talk to this professor. Okay, Mr. Professor, yes. my dad says I need to talk to you now. <laughs> oh, does this look like a scarecrow to you? Okay. <laughs> So as Dean is trying to exit, he's cold-cocked by the sheriff, and we figure out, oh, the professor was acting shady because the professor is shady. Not ra- not rapey shady, just regular shady. <laughs> regular shady. Just regular shady. So we now know that all the olds in this whole area are in on the gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut to a group of these olds having a family meeting about what to do. We've got a snooping hunter. We've got no sacrificed young couple. Uh, the trees are already dying. Oh no. What to do? What to do? And they're like moralizing. And I'm like, 
this is not any more murderous than what you've been doing. Oh no, I love how it, they rationalize it's only murder when feelings are involved. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna. But you me, only care this time because you know one of the sacrifices. I'm having to sacrifice a family member, so now it's murder. <laughs> it's probably they're actually rationalizing it's only murder if the people know they're being sacrificed. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Uh, we pan away to a cellar door being opened, and we see that Dean is being kept in a cellar. And Emily is thrown down there by her aunt and uncle, and they lock the door behind him. And Emily's like, why are you doing this? And the woman, I don't know her name. Aunt Stacy. Aunt Stacy. Yes. She says, it's for the common good. And that aggravates me, because I, I just, I wish she had said, for the greater good. Well... Yeah, greater good, common good. No one says common good. It just aggravates me because she's she's basically quoting our favorite Vulcan Spock and mutilating his words. Yeah. Sacrificing the needs of the one for the many only works if you're sacrificing yourself. Ugh. Mm. So the bus is leaving and Sam is freaking out because Dean isn't answering his phone. Meg tries to convince him to leave the dirtbag behind and follow her and life and passion and free will to California. And she's like, Maybe he turned off his phone. Like, really, Meg? Who turns off their phone? <laughs> In that day and age, people turned off their phone? I mean, I have my phone on vibrate when I'm at work and on silent when I'm at the movies. I have my phone on vibrate 24-7. <laughs> Mostly I like them vibrations. Uh, stop it. <laughs> so, back in the cellar... Yeah, Dean is trying to bust out while also explaining the supernatural to Emily, so she didn't get out of this nope. without knowledge. Somebody learned. Damn it. <laughs> Somebody learned. Somebody learned. Dean says that uh, <laughs> sacrifices are classier, <laughs> and I just, I, I love that line. He's, um, he's, with, he's with the olds. He gets it. <laughs> it's only murder if they know about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's sacrifice when they don't. Um, they figure out that, yes, there is a special tree in the orchard, but no, we don't know where it is. They are collected by the old people and tied to the trees in the orchard. Dean tries to guilt trip people who are clearly psychopathic. Your apple pie is freaking worth it! It doesn't work. Because they're psychopathic. Yeah. And the sheriff is more so... Uncle Harley was the only one they really had to convince. The sheriff was the one who was, like, gung-ho, like, dude, we're gonna fucking kill him. <laughs> we need those apple trees. I don't know why we need those apple trees, but fuck, we're gonna keep those apple trees. I want to know how old the first tree is. I'm curious of the first tree's history. I really like trees. Okay, you nerd. Yeah. So the aunt gives the good of many speech before they leave them to their fate. When they were arguing, she was like, you know, there's no one else. The the old woman, she was like, there's no one else. Yeah. And I'm like, because the sacrifices must be young? Yeah, that's sneak preview. That's my hate for all of this. <laughs> they, they, they never cleared that up. Mm. We don't know why Emily is the only one that can be sacrificed or why they think that, because it's obviously not true. Obviously. <sighs> Dean says he's working on a plan, and we cut to hours later, where he is still trying to work out a plan. Oh, Emily's got some snark. I appreciate it. 
<laughs> yeah. Emily's trying to spot the scarecrow when they hear footsteps approaching. <laughs> da -da. Da -da. Oh my god, it's Sam Squatch. But no, it's not the Scarecrow, it's Sam. He stole a car to get there and only feels a little guilty about it, hypocrite. Yeah, I know. I was <laughs> like, ugh, Sam, stop guilt tripping your brother. I w okay, hopefully after this we won't see Sam guilting his brother about the things they do to survive in this bonkers career they have. Yeah. So, Dean is like, Sam, would you keep an eye on the Scarecrow? Because it could come alive at any minute. And Sam's like, what Scarecrow? Yeah, how does Sam not know the- Sam knows it's a Scarecrow. Sam got the lowdown from Dean about Scarecrow, God, in an orchard, eats people, I guess. He's like, what Scarecrow? Yeah, and, and the perch was on the way to Emily and Dean, so he would have seen the empty perch. So he's just- Kind of being a little bit. It would have made more sense for Sam to look up and go, oh, it's gone. And they start running. Not, what Scarecrow? What Scarecrow? S Sam Sam is canonically dumb in this episode. That's all there is to it. He likes cake. He doesn't know about Scarecrows. He thinks Sa Dean doesn't know that in order to kill it, you have to know what it is. He's just dumb this episode. A little dumb, yeah. So they begin their running. They'll save searching for the tree tomorrow, but they find their way blocked by the old people, whom think that the god only wants young people. Turns out, the crow don't care. <laughs> because, <laughs> crow don't care. <laughs> because it hooks the uncle and grabs the aunt and drags them off to be thrifted. Uh, <laughs> Sheriff Scotty and the gang just run off. They fucking book it. Like, they don't care anymore. They're like, nope, not but me. Here's, a, here's another thing. If they know what this god is all about, they should know that it only requires a man and a woman each year. A, a single of each. So they should be like, oh, phew, at least they didn't get me. And then stay there and arrest Dean, Sam, and Emily because they know too much. I think they all know what goes on. Some of them, you know, do the fattening up. Some of them give directions, but none of them knows the full watch picture. Watch it, watch it happening. Mm. So, and like the the sheriff, he you know covers up the evidence at the end, but none of them, I don't think any of them actually witnessed it happening. This was like a new thing. They're like, man, these people have come up. And, you know, fucked our world. But they've heard the screams they've said, so they know it's not pretty. They know what happens. But like I have mentioned briefly in other episodes, knowing something and witnessing <laughs> it with your eyeballs... <laughs> are, are God, let it go, <laughs> Hannah. Let it go. Let it go. Dean didn't see his mommy die. <laughs> you didn't even like that movie, so stop it. That was a terrible movie. I liked it. I really identified with their sisterly relationship, okay? Because I shut myself up in my room for years and years and never inter interacted with you? You you went to college. <laughs> oh, for shame. For shame. <laughs> All right, can I just say about this whole scene real quick? Yes, please. I have a theory. When Auntie is giving her speech about the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one... And how sacrifice means giving up something you love. Mm -hmm. She's a little teary-eyed, but not as teary-eyed as she could be. Which gave me the feeling that that 
car crash that happened to Emily's parents when she was 13? Why are the odds that crash just happened awfully close to the orchard? Oh, you are good. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's awful, but it's a good tie-in, is what I mean. <laughs> the question is, is it her sister or brother that was the parent, or is it Harley's sister or brother? I think, I think it was Harley's sister or brother who was the parent to Emily. Because he already knows what it's like to kill someone you know. I don't think he, maybe he didn't, I don't, I don't know. He just seemed more torn up about. <laughs> yeah, he did. Emily dying than the aunt was. I like this headcanon. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Also, obviously the olds were guarding the site because they didn't trust ropes around Dean. <laughs> which, generally they shouldn't. Yeah. But in this case, the ropes worked really well. <laughs> yeah. But how did Sam get past all the olds guarding their sacrifice? <laughs> Why didn't they shoot him on his way to rescue? <laughs> that is a that is a good point. I just th these little things, writers of episodes, can you not think of these little things? <laughs> the whole kerfuffle is over with. The next day, they have evaded the sheriff and Scotty. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just spent the whole night walking around the orchard looking for this damn tree. Well, they had to stop and go get kerosene. They find the tree and they torch it. And then Emily boards the bus for Boston, which is a real place. It is. The only real place in this whole episode. Well, okay, no, Sacramento is also a real place. All right. <laughs> Two real places. Sam is a little peeved that the only punishment that the town will get is some dead trees. But also maybe some ghosties. Definitely ghosties. Enacting their revenge upon the sheriff and Scotty and Professor and whomever else knew about this whole arrangement they had. Uh, but regardless, Sam and Dean, their job isn't getting justice, it's just saving lives. And they <laughs> definitely saved all three lives in this case. They did. Dean offers to drop Sam off somewhere because he thinks that they're still broken up. But Sam has changed his mind. He gives an honestly great, heartfelt speech about how he still wants his revenge, but how he and Dean are basically all the other person has. And so, they're family, and they're going to do this thing together. Family style. <laughs> we cut to Meg, whom is hitchhiking with another creepy dude who thinks that she is going to give him the sex. Oh, yeah. So, they pull over because... He wants the bangy bang. She pulls out this big old silver chalice just out of her tiny ass bag. <laughs> she has like a fucking bag of holding right there. She just pulls out this huge gargantuan, like needs three hands to hold it, silver chalice. And she needs to make a phone call. And she don't need no cell phone. Nope, she just needs this big ass motherfucking cup. She does a really inefficient job of collecting his blood. Like, ah, yes, thank you. She wasted so much blood. Yes! If you just, if you just hold the, in the one little lip, she didn't even set the lip of the cup up to the biggest squirt out of his artery. Mm-mm. <sighs> How, it, she's lucky to have gotten as much blood as she did into that cup, honestly. Yeah, she really is. Like, most of it just went down in his lap. It was just a waste. Just a waste of good human blood. She could have used that blood for further phone calls. Or to summon things. Who knows? And I don't know what Netflix had for you, but Bad Company was playing just before she killed him. Nope, I didn't get any of that good music. Bad, so sad. Bad company till the day I die. 
So she's pissed. She's talking to somebody and she's pissed that she wasn't allowed to kill Sam and Dean. I could have taken them both. And she gets so super emotional in that moment and uh love it. But she acquiesces to her father. Hmm. Who's daddy? Turns out she does have family issues. Mm-hmm. The, the dad's Azazel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made note with John saying that it was a demon and her saying father. I think we're meant to be led to believe that she's conversing with Satan, but we know this not to be true. It's Azazel. Yellow eyes. Gotcha. First time I saw this, I thought she was a witch. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't think, like, Honest to God, first time watching season one, I was thinking, I saw a demon in a plane. That demon could do anything. That demon didn't need special tricks. That demon didn't pull out his big cup to possess people or crash plane. Like, he just did it. So when she pulls out a cup and with the blood and doing spells, I'm like, oh, she's a witch. This is a new thing. We haven't met witches yet. Well, like I mentioned in The Phantom Traveler, there's different levels of demons with different capabilities. True, true. I'm just saying. You know, six years ago, seven years ago, Kindle just thought this was a witch and had no clue about what was coming. I had no idea. I was innocent back then, as innocent as these baby boys. Yeah. Hannah. Kindle. Let's go into themes. Let's talk some motherfucking themes. The first theme I got Mm -hmm. is gods. Yes, ma'am. Sending people away at bus stations. Because when they were saying goodbye to Emily, it made me think of when they were saying goodbye to Charlie the first time. Oh. And and Dean was like, she's like the little sister I never wanted. Oh, I know. I love it so much. Um, I didn't have that one. I did have gods. Because as we've already mentioned in previous episodes, we have the Christmas gods. We have... The hotel gods. The hotel full of gods. And I know there are others, I just can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, I have a theme that we've mentioned before, mm-hmm. but I wanted to mention it because someone actually recognized it. Rockstar aliases. Yes. John Bonham. Yes. Meg popping up out of nowhere. Uh, yes, this was a Megasode. That was one of my themes. <laughs> I'm gonna say we have... I'm going to call it 15 more Megsodes. Hmm. Because I, I figure about three a season, maybe? I would like to think that she's more prevalent than that, but you may be right. Because she, she dies in what season? 11? 10? 10 or 11. Okay. If she does... She was the longest lasting female character. Do you hear me? Uh, you're right. You're right. So maybe... Okay, maybe maybe like 30 episodes then. Okay. 30 Megasodes. My last theme is John being super vague about things. <laughs> yeah, good old Don. Don? 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 Good old John. Good old John. All right. My themes were demons. We've got a mention and Meg is a demon. Yes. I don't know how much of a theme this is, but we do see it at least another time. A chalice cell phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think Crowley does that more than anyone. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see some more calling from a cup. Cup calls. Cup calls. Cup calls. You got your cup call. <laughs> Lucifer, line one. <laughs> Lucifer, line one, cup call. <laughs> no, no, no. It would be Lucifer, line A, B, 
Lucifer line A, B. Uh, we have Crowley on line O. O positive. Line O positive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> A big old honkin' theme is Runaway Sam. Yes. Yeah. That boy is very comfortable with using the bus systems. <laughs> and I guess an attached theme could be Brothers Breakup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have professors again. This is our second time with a professor, but I feel like we talk to professors a lot more. Or at least we break into a professor's places a lot more. I know they talked to a professor in the Amazon episode. Yeah. So yeah, talking to professors is talking a theme. Talking to professors is a theme. Meg calls Sam a freak. <laughs> you could be some, some kind, kind of freak. Of freak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I the calling someone a freak again. And my last little theme was... That boy's all tied up. And boy's all tied up. They can't go nowhere. They're all tied up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I guess that we could also say Sam and his rebellious fight with dad and Dean being loyal to dad. Those are all a theme. Basically, the, that that contentious parental relationship with John is just a yes. big theme for the first few seasons. Well, now that we have broken this episode down. Tell me, what did you hate and what did you love? I hated the dumb couples that kept dying and the old couple ready to sacrifice their niece. More specifically, the aunt. You just hated them personally or you hated how they were in the episode? Both. <laughs> Alright, why did you hate the young couples? Well, mainly that the couple that we did see die in the opening. I hated her. Because, like, she, they took off running, right? And then she, like, slows down, turns around. He's not there. And she doesn't keep running. She runs back to where they, they had been chasing them. Because she wants to get her husband. Why do you hate that? It's dumb. She, she didn't want to lose her hubby. He just disappeared. She's scared. But she Aww. ran in the opposite direction. I also felt really bad for Vince because his family is a bunch of assholes because the picture they used for his missing persons flyer was not flattering at all. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> and not very informative as to what he looked like. Mm -mm. <laughs> what did you hate? I hated how they never explained why it had to be Emily. They just left it up to us to decide the reason. Yeah. Why? Like, they had Uncle Harley... You know, begging for forgiveness. But I would have loved a sobbing, just broken up Uncle Harley begging forgiveness and explaining why it had to be her who had to be sacrificed. Why there was no one else in the town. Four years, it's always been the youngest passing through, blah, blah, blah. It requires young, virile people to continue surviving for the trees. And if we don't have the trees, then we don't have the commerce. And if we don't have commerce, then our town dies. And isn't that terrible? Isn't that worth dying for? And the answer is no. Like, fuck, find, find a new thing to keep your town alive. God. I feel like these, these old people were not properly informed by their forebears. Mm -hmm. Because two, if you wanted two young people, one of each gender, one of each, one of our... Yes. This is a very heteronormative... <laughs> Gender is a spectrum, but they're running off the binary yeah. anyway. <laughs> one of each. Then if he if he wanted just for them to be 
you know, of the right age, he would have gone after Dean and Emily. But no, he went off after the older couple. Okay. They were a couple. All right. So... So I'm saying these oldies were not well informed on their own god lore, which... There is none. To continue off of that, (laughs) they did a bad job raising Emily to their ways. Mm -hmm. Like, if she came to them at 13, 13 is still a very moldable age. Oh, yeah. You can still convince a 13-year-old that some immoral shit is just the way it is. And they will believe it and buy it, and you can raise them to that and groom them for that, as gross as that is. Yeah, like, this is what we do in order to have everything perfect. Don't you like how perfect this town is? Don't you want to keep it that way? And if they had, if that had been part of their story, and then she meets Dean, and they have a connection, and he's trying to convince her about how fucked up this all is, and at the end, she has a moral choice to make. Yes. That would have. Oh, and then her burning the tree at the end would have just been so much more emotionally resonant. Yes. At the end, when Dean's like, oh, but the whole town's gonna die, she says, good. Like, no, I, that didn't strike me as very, like, I didn't yeah, care. Yeah, it, it would have it been much more powerful if she had been turned mm-hmm. at the end away from them. Like, this is the way it has to be. This is the right choice to make. We will survive in a different way. And it would have been more interesting if she had stuck around and tried to lead this town into a new direction. Yes. As it is, this town is still filled with a bunch of murderous fucks. <laughs> start her own new cult. Like, I killed the god! <laughs> you will now listen to me! I run this Oh, that would have been so cool! <laughs> god, we just wrote such a better episode. Alright, we're writing yeah, we all did. the fanfic after this. Hannah, what did you love about this episode? I... Loved seeing, for the first time, how much Sam and Dean need each other. Mm-hmm. Without Sam, without Sam, Dean would have died. He was not getting untied from that tree. And without Dean, Sam would have shacked up with that demon. I feel like that's a very tenuous argument. <laughs> but I see your point. I'm just saying they need each other. It's- it's good that they are in each other's lives. And, and I love seeing Dean, you know, bounce ideas off of that professor on the case. <laughs> like, that's not Sam. You, nope. you need Sam. You need someone who's actually tracking and on the same page as you. <laughs> so this very befuddled professor who actually is in on the joke, but yeah. I loved all the dialogue in this one. Very good dialogue. So many times I had to stop myself in my note-taking from just recreating entire conversations verbatim. (laughs) Yes! There was so much emotional subtlety and comedy and depth that happened in this episode. Like, Sam's talk at the end, but broken with Dean's joke that didn't actually even cheapen Sam's confession about family. No, it was good. Dean's whole awkward, I'm not a serial killer speech at the diner and how, oh, the, the, that subtle line it treaded of where you can see how what he's saying is not wrong, but how from an outside perspective it sounds so creepy and that's that line it treads is so beautifully done. All the one-liners that are forever famous from just this one episode. Dude, you're fugly. I hope your apple pie is freaking worth it. That whole phone call with John and the seven layers of conversation that were happening there, the fight and the impala and the emotional insight it gives it. 
even in the orchard, the I'm working on it joke that plays so well when Dean's tied up. I really like uh, <sighs> Sam's line in the Impala when he's like, I just don't understand the blind faith you have in the man. Ah, I like that line. Mm -hmm. I think the only scene where it fell flat for me in terms of, because seriously, every point in, like, it's going to be a struggle to not have this whole episode just be clip after clip after clip after clip of dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The one part where it fell flat for me is as Sam is rescuing Dean, and Dean excitedly says, I take back everything I said, when the last thing he said was, I admire you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the and Sam being, what scarecrow, which we already talked about. Those are the only two moments in a whole 45-minute episode that the dialogue wasn't just, mwah, delicioso. So good. I enjoyed this episode. Me too. I mean, I usually do. Oh, of course. The question is, Hannah, will we enjoy next time on Supernatural? Yes. Yes. And if you don't already think so, I will prove it to you. When you're surrounded by darkness. Next time, we're watching Season 1, Episode 12, Faith. After Dean is fatally injured on a case, Sam thinks he's found a cure in a preacher who performs miracles. However, after they discover that these miracles are not as holy as advertised, the brothers race to stop them before another innocent life is sacrificed. And that summary is from IMDb. Thank you, IMDb. From our girl, Amber Brooke. What up, Amber? Thank you, Amber. Holla at your girls over here. Because you totes listen, right? She totally listens. She totally listens. Come on. She writes these just for us. What do we know about this episode? We know Reapers! Don't fear the Reaper when the sun and the rain. I'm going to be really sad if that song does not play in my Netflix version. It probably won't. Uh, Don't say that. It's okay. I'm going to make you enjoy this episode. Okay. All right. I remember Reapers. I remember preacher and i remember that i think there's like a a romance type thing for d in this episode uh, i mean there's there's a pretty blonde there is a pretty blonde she's sad i just remember dean sitting on a bed talking to a lady and then the sad goodbye at the end yeah right anything you want to say about what we're gonna be watching next time it's gonna be good uh, hannah i feel like maybe you like this episode i'm getting this weird vibe I do. all right I do. I, I didn't. I, I get excited. I'm really excited about our podcast together. Me too. I love this episode. And if you, dear listener, love this podcast too, you can reach out and tell us at sisterstalkbrothers at gmail.com. Or you can tell just me everything I did wrong in this episode by reaching me at kindleabroad at tumblr.com or on Instagram at Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. You can reach me specifically to tell me how strange and awkward I am at Jailbreak Fiend, that's on Tumblr. Everything Overlord, that's on Tumblr. And Yeah. Yeah, I use Jailbreak Fiend also on Instagram if if you if you insta. If you insta if you're cool enough to insta. I'm not, I'm not cool enough to insta. I I'm I'm barely cool enough to insta. They let me in the back door. <laughs> We're not winners. We are losers. We're not professionals. We're, We're sisters. sisters. We're doing it family style. 
So tune in next week for more monsters. Rawr. More brothers. Ugh. And more sisters. <laughs> Bye. Bye. one-room church with a steeple it was crazy. Oh, okay so they have like these little basement apartments and everyone <laughs> just lives at the church everyone lives underground and everyone all you can see is that one small building of the church to let tourists know oh, that okay. hey there's a church here and then because everyone else like... lives yeah yeah that would be so cool i wish that were real i mean it will be one day once the sun rays you know get yeah. too powerful you know this will be season 15 of Supernatural. <laughs> the apocalypse known as climate change. Yes. But I had to explain um, canon and headcanon to Michael, my roommate, because he was like, he was saying he wanted to like keep a tally of how many times you say headcanon. And he was like, you know, I'm just headcanning our last conversation, and I was like, Michael, <laughs> Michael, do you do you know what headcanon is? And he was like, No, no, I don't. Did and he so, think it was remembering or referencing? Remembering or referencing? Oh, that's sweet. I love that. That is precious. In it, I just want to squeeze his little face and boop his nose. Say, Oh, you should. You should. Oh, you you know no. You don't know nothing You're about not... head cannons. No, no. <laughs> uh, a young pup, pupple. <laughs> <laughs> the young bubble. <laughs> oh shit! Oh shit! What? I put extra notes in one place and not.